Hey, and welcome to Masters of Divinity, uh, to this episode where I talk with David Jaimes, who's over in Santa Ana, California, and he's in ministry with a particular uh, group of people there, and because of that context, it kind of, it being ministry, has to mean uh, something in a certain kind of way, and in this conversation, David goes into a number of things, and what I've tried to do is keep it to about 30 minutes. I ask him a bunch of questions, but I've kind of cut myself out. Um, but he gets at what the local church means for it, this particular um, group of people that uh, might be considered Hispanic, Latino, immigrant uh, groups of people, let's say. And um, and I think that it's quite interesting in these times uh, where we're trying to think about what community is and how there are different definitions out there. I myself come from uh, an immigrant church and so I see a lot of similarities and um, the way that I myself might define community is a little bit different and the requirements of such in order for it to be considered um, something of discipleship Uh, but um, that's what diversity is and I hope that it's uh, something meaningful to you to hear from him and uh, um, let's do that now I come from, uh, I identify, lately I've been kind of honing in on this, on, on race, um, indigeneity as race. So I, I was born in Lima, Peru. I come from Peru. I immigrated to the U.S. when I was a baby and uh, grew up pretty much in Orange County, but mainly in Santana. Um, I, the reason I identify as indigenous and not Latino um, there are parts where I say that is because there is a, rec- a reclaiming of of the indigenous race that has been um, forgotten by and uh, put away. I remember I <clears throat> I was at a uh, some federal department and saw the race categories and one of them was Latino Caucasian and that didn't seem right to me <laughs> that mix. So um, I'm an indigenous uh, person, family from the americas i consider myself a child of the americas did a dna study so i'm kind of all over i even have some east asian uh in my dna which is probably kind of cool but um yeah i'm a pastor here in santana uh two congregants two uh, i serve two spanish-speaking congregations one of them in a multicultural church with like five different um ethnic groups tongan cambodian filipino and spanish-speaking in english and then one standalone historical Spanish-speaking Methodist church. I'm also a community organizer doing immigration work. So I work with CLU and stands for Clergy and Lady United for Economic Justice. And I'm based out of Santana or in Orange County, but I do work all around LA and, and out there. So I've uh, been doing that for the last couple of years. Um, yeah, currently... Um, if it's relevant, graduate of Fuller, uh, did some masters. I've been studying theology for a long time. Uh, went to a Quaker school up in Kansas, kind of did my own desert experience thing, uh, <laughs> and grew up Pentecostal. So I uh, grew up AG. 
So I, uh, a lot of my roots are, are, are in Pentecostalism, but now I'm a practicing Methodist. So um, <laughs> we'll see how this conversation goes. It'll all come out. <laughs> so thanks so much for that. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I, growing up in the church, uh, the church was a very real place. Uh, it was it was a destination. It was um, for immigrants. It was a, a, a space where you would find dignity outside of your documentation status. Um, That's right. Uh, as um, And it was a place of tradition and holding and, and grounding. And so it was also very physical. It was a, lo- a lot of ministry. You know, if we hate to say it, a lot of ministry is done on Sunday morning. Right. <laughs> During the week, it, it's sparse. But Sunday morning, when you actually see people, when you actually connect with god you connect with others you you do community and so it's a very concentrated time um and it's and it's been uh um it was a it's been a lament to to see that have to pause and for me um pastoring in a uh, latino context um where the majority of folks um are not uh it takes a while for them to be technically literate to download an app to their phone to use it and then to to see updates and uh, adjust to it um it's been hard and so um i guess the easiest thing has been to do facebook live and um it kind of suffices but it kind of doesn't um i also think in the pandemic we've uh, we've picked up bad habits from mm. kind of uh, just logging on to Facebook from our bed and mm. kind of leaving it there while we do our errands and not really engaging, but just kind of keeping it there. Um, and and so as this new variant comes around, it kind of brought up these triggers be- of like for those that are serving in the church of just kind of ha- kind of taking a step back again. But the reason it, I, I lamented is because. Um, uh, we were kind of rushed into this without any discerning process. Was, no one asked for this. No one asked for a global pandemic and no one asked That's for, right. for all of this. And so, um, but that luck, luckily, this is one of the things that were, uh, at least our church and, and the way I'm trying to view it in a positive sense is that community and the church is literally not in the church. Like we preach against all the time. <laughs> but do we believe it? Do do we believe that I could talk to my church folks and my leaders outside of the two hour block that I'm that I see them? And that challenged me a lot. And actually, there were times where I felt so bad about myself because mm-hmm. I was so disconnected from the people. I'm like, oh, I can't see them. And that's where I come alive. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm a very quiet guy when I'm at home. I'm, I'm yes. you know, I reserve, but when I'm at church, I see everybody. I love right. everybody. I hug everybody. I, you know, I, I, we, we do everything. And so to not have that, to just do it on a screen is really hard. Um, yes. so I lament that, but it's, um, and, and it helped me also to see, um, what community is. So the, one of the questions that have, I always um, wrestled with in seminary or in, in conversations of kind of reach out to the community, you know, who is the community? My question is, who are we talking when we talk community, right? Even in organizing, defining who the community we're serving. Okay. And I, I, and from my perspective, the community are the marginalized and the pushed aside and the forgotten. Okay. That's who we mean by community. 
Mm. Um, and it, it comes from this uh, idea of liberation theology of, of who, uh, Gustavo Gutierrez's understanding mm -hmm. of the preferential options for the poor, that God was closest to the poor, the marginalized and the set aside. Mm -hmm. And in this pandemic, it really brought that back up mm. to say those that really need my attention, my prayers, my resources are those that are not uh, getting the, the testing resources, the vaccine resources, the food banks, et cetera, that are losing their jobs, that are getting sick and all that. You know, those of us that um, are privileged to work at home, still mm -hmm. make our money, um, and we're not getting sick, we could quarantine without no issue. Um, like, luckily, like, maybe I didn't really have to touch base with them as much because of the immediate needs of a uh, of this deadly disease that was spreading. And so... Uh, I've been thinking about who are the people that I, I, I am called to like serve and be with. Um, and that's a little controversial because some people are like, oh, you know, they still need, you know, pastor, they still need leadership, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I actually got in trouble with the church <laughs> because, uh, I, as a youth pastor, uh, they, uh, I was criticized for paying attention to the outsiders and not the, not the cool kids, the, you know, the, the kids mm -hmm. that have been around mm -hmm. and <laughs> I, 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 I guess that's something about me, but I know that's mm -hmm. also something about God that um, that doesn't mm -hmm. um, turn uh, their side to those that are marginalized. So when mm -hmm. we talk about community, I I kind of want to say, James, like, um, are, are do we mean everyone? And I, I and in my my perspective, I don't think we mean everyone. And if we want to talk biblically, who God is closest to, or God is serving in a sense it is those and who jesus approaches is those on the margins mm -hmm. and for at the moment especially in a global pandemic um that's kind of where i'm focusing a lot of my attention i also during the pandemic i was part of an online facebook group called young leaders and it was started by a bunch of um latino kind of um identified that were interested in theology and when the, when the shutdown came, you know, we were all stuck at home. So we're like, hey, let's just jump on Zoom and talk about whatever we want to talk about. And so we built this. Uh, I was part of a group that have helped build um, now with this like couple hundred members. And wow. uh, we used to have monthly, we might have monthly forums, uh, open forums about anything we want to talk about from from movies to Netflix shows to mental health, et cetera. Um, and so that was a whole digital community. These are people that whenever we put on an event, we consider all all time zones. You know, we mm -hmm. say starts at five for y'all, for us, and it, it's nine for Eastern. And, right. um, <clears throat> and for and it's uh, one of the, and that's, I could say for sure that we've built community in that sense. Mm -hmm. People that I haven't met in real life, only seen on Zoom and only texted and everything. And... And there's a huge difference from the church that I serve and um, right. how have I built? I think we build community through uh, vulnerability and intimacy. Mm -hmm. It has to be a give. There's always mm -hmm. a giving of ourselves, uh, which is a very risky thing. Mm -hmm. And digitally, it's actually there's a weird sense of safety that mm -hmm. I am much more vulnerable Mm -hmm. Or much more open to being myself to express myself mm -hmm. digitally because you can't touch me, you know. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't 
uh, get on me or whatever. So I could say whatever I want. I could sound however I want. You know, I could turn off my camera whenever I don't have to like be in, in a place with you for you to like weird me out. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gives a, a layer of um, a, a layer of confidence, right? Mm -hmm. At least to be vulnerable. And so some people are highly uh, use it. Some folks have opened up their whole lives to me, you know, and it's just like, right. and, and so it's different in real life. Uh, the other thing is, is time. I think it's already been, what, two, three years and that we're kind of in this new normal, per se. And um, a lot of us are still dealing with the, the consequences of right. our, of all of it. And it's, and that collective trauma is actually what's built community too, mm -hmm. right? Uh, a lot of us are now talking more about mental health, talking mm -hmm. more about triggers and trauma, et cetera, because we're all going under, we're kind of, at least here in the U.S., we're all experiencing kind of a collective disaster um, that usually in the, in the local church, um, it's not the same because the local church now, it's not that local. It's actually mm -hmm. folks driving in 30 to 60 minutes just to come on the Sunday morning and then see each other next week. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> so the community in the local church, um, that's why that block of time on Sunday mornings is so crucial. It's crucial because, yeah, it's it, it's an in-person Zoom call. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing we, we do that. And um, the question is, you know, um, for me, who, how are we showing up, uh, our most realist when we are either in person or online? And okay. that's what actually helps to what degrees of community look like. Yeah. It, it's one of those unspoken things in the, in the church in the U S, um, that we really are not, um, a, a, a deep community. <laughs> I, I, I think it was, um, Barna that talked about the church being a mile wide and an inch deep. Uh, this idea that we're just shallow, you know, mm. we go everywhere and we spread out and everything, but we're really not that deep. Um, and it is an unspoken thing. We, we look each other on Sunday morning with such love and eagerness and, hey, how's it going? And then we get in our cars and we go and, you know, it, it'd be, we'd be lucky to even text each other during the week. Um, but which is why I feel we, this is part of that sinful nature. We are hiding, we are pushing away. There is something about us, um, that is un, that is resistant to vulnerability and which is why our, um, this is the work of the church is to bring us into uh, a, a new space of vulnerability. And I love that you came up, uh, that you reminded me of communion because it's at the communion table where at least we if if done well it must bring us to a a rooted sense of community right um we come together to remember um the the commitment that god made and what it took to make it uh, and our are in our purpose, and we share in each other's. And one of the things that for me, every I look forward to at every communion, we do it once a month at Santana at UMC, uh, is uh, when we do communion, 
uh, the Tongan choir uh, starts to sing their songs. I don't know a word that they're saying. I really don't know. <laughs> but the beauty of their singing and their hymns and the way it just resonates. And it just it, it's another world. And it just, I always tear up. I, I either cry or tear up. And I just hold that space so holy. It's one of the holiest spaces I've ever been in. And it's it, it kind of sucks because not all of my community is there. Some Spanish speakers, some Cambodian speakers, and they're they don't really get it because it's an English dominant service. You know, we do and try to make it in different languages, but some of them just prefer not to go because they just don't connect. And it, it kind of hurts to not you know experience this with them. Uh, but it also reminds me that the Spanish-speaking church that I serve is not my only community. Okay. Uh, and that's where I I am invited into a bigger idea of community. That's right. And and that's where I get challenged, and it's a good reminder. And our faith helps us to do that because if I yes, sir. if I don't allow myself to participate in that, mm -hmm. I get stuck in my own bubble, mm -hmm. and I I miss out on on something so precious as that moment in communion, hearing uh, Tongan elders singing out loud right. um, everything. So that I think that's what, um, I think that vulnerability is what we're missing. And thank God for traditions that right. are able to bring us into that realm of, uh, of unity through the communion table. When I think I immediately think about John 17, right? Uh, his okay. last prayer before. What Jesus. is that? <laughs> John 17 is last yeah. prayer in okay. Gethsemane praying for unity, right? Oh, for the yes. disciples. There you saying, go. please, God, let them get along. You know, mm. I'm about to leave. They're a mess. Just let them get along, et cetera. Right? So he kind of mm. goes off, goes off because he's so worried, um, uh, which is a typical, you know, father prayer, sure. mother prayer, pastor right. prayer. And, you know, yes. it's like. I'm a, I'm not going to be here, so they better, they're a hot mess. But please, you know, God, do something with them. Um, so I think God cares about community. I think the reason, I, I think I might agree with this idea that God's mm -hmm. not God's not mainly focused on that, mm -hmm. um, because Jesus was doing a very particular mission on earth. Mm -hmm. So the incarnation and everything with mm -hmm. the redemption story was very precise. And we're also not talking about uh, the conditions of oppression and all the things that okay. Jesus has to fight for. And okay. uh, Jesus didn't just like willfully go up into the cross and just like, you know, do, do my <laughs> thing, right? He was murdered by the state. He was true. He was accused by his own religious leaders. It's, right. he, he, and he was constantly challenging systems that humans put together to make themselves God and Jesus was created. And so God, Jesus was whole thing was to tear all that up mm. and to bring an access to God that, that always was, but it was never interpreted in a way that was faithful to it. So Jesus was there to tear that up. And yes, mm. maybe, um, you know, Jesus was definitely challenging our ideas of community with parents, you know, oh, my, that's not my mom or dad, you right. know, my real right. brothers or whatever. Right. And, and I think in the, in going back to the local church in a multi-ethnic church, it's not so much that we don't like to be around each other. It's what, mm -hmm. why are we so separate and from each other? You know, mm -hmm. why do we not like each other? Why mm -hmm. there are other things in place that have been pinning our communities against each other. Mm -hmm. And in the U S racism, 
classism, capitalism, mm-hmm. etc. There are many forms and structures that are pushing us against each other, and therefore there's there is a black and Korean issue in mm-hmm. in LA. There is a black and mm-hmm. brown thing here in Santana. There is racism against Afghans in South County, etc. So right. there are things. It's and I I want to get us to say that Jesus does have this high value of community right because jesus comes from that divine community of the trinity right mm. the father son and holy spirit and okay um when we see that uh and elizabeth conde frazier in a mm-hmm. book called latina evangelicas okay ta- uh, the, the third chapter written by uh, uh the third chapter talks about how the trinity is this divine community where there's there's an ever flowing uh Mm -hmm. uh giving of each other right Mm -hmm. there is not there's different ways that we could talk about the trinity Mm -hmm. but that's where jesus comes from he comes from that beautiful divine community and he knows down here that it's not that Mm -hmm. people are against each other they're fighting each other they're biting each other's heads off etc and so (laughs) i understand that jesus says you know what I don't think it'll happen down here, but please, mm. God, like make something out of them. Help them mm. to see the beauty of what it, what solidarity means, etc. Mm. Um, that might be it, but uh, I, I think you're right. Jesus might be much more interested in just being faithful to what, what mm-hmm. Jesus was called to mm-hmm. break open, ultimately to break these structures and institutions and etc. Mm-hmm. that were holding us back to beauty of of, of the beauty of the creation, like community like liberation, like healing and freedom. And so um, that's why I feel uh, we, we we don't get it all the time mm-hmm. because we're not addressing systemic things mm-hmm. that are ultimately. So it's not just, uh, James, I'm just going to, you know, like, you know, oh, I'm going to just judge you because mm-hmm. whatever, you know, you're skinny or you're mm-hmm. Asian or you're this or that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's things informing me like, mm-hmm. yes, you should hate James mm-hmm. because he's tall or because mm-hmm. he's this or because whatever. And w- if we don't have that conversation and, and just have a personal one and saying, oh, why don't you? I'm like, well, I don't know, James, you know. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. Well, the answer is get in a small group with James and you're going to get to know and love him. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and if I do get in these small groups with these random people and then I start opening up and be vulnerable, then people mm-hmm. start to get triggered. And so mm-hmm. that's also a thing. Um, anyway, so I, I feel like we, <laughs> from our communities, we truly have to address the principalities, the big things that are there, because um, those are also a big player, not just mm-hmm. the interpersonal things. When we talk about community um, and that's also the part of the calling of the church uh, mm-hmm. to address into that's actually what Jesus was trying to help us to do as well. So there's there there's ministry is defined by an institution and then there's ministry in the organic divine, you know, work that is upon us. Well, uh, I think we get I think I've been wrestling with this I question of ministry mm. because we we define it under job descriptions in an institution. Okay. So, Okay. So you already know, James, that ministry looks different in a Pentecostal mm-hmm. setting than it does in a Methodist setting, right? Sure. You sure. know, if you say, hey, how do your business meetings look like? Uh-huh. Pentecostals <laughs> have a different way of doing ministry of a business setting and Methodists have a different way. And I sure. got a good taste of that at my, at my first charge conference uh, here at the okay. church. 
Right. Um, because I, I, even coming from a Quaker perspective, they okay. go by consensus, right? Sure. They all have to be in agreement by the spirit to go forward. So that's okay. why it's so slow. But not in Methodism. Yes. We vote. <laughs> Robert's yes. Rules of Order. That's right. right. Yes, that's right. So, yeah. so we, need to, we need to address that. How, do, how are institutions defining already what, uh, what, uh, how we do things? And how, okay. do, ha, how do we keep what's helpful? And how do we let go of what? completely is unhelpful and okay. actually pushing us against. But to get to the root of ministry, could it be that it, it's, it comes from diaconos, this idea of service, mm. right? You know, and I, I'm really holding on to that right now, uh, James, because I'm wrestling with my identity as a pastor be, precisely because I'm having to define what ministry looks like for me wow. now as a pastor. And my context is the two churches that I'm serving have been led by a an, a pastor that is uh, uh, an experienced pastor, more uh, ordained, highly experienced, um, yes. um, uh, a father, uh, married for a while, yeah. um, and and has had a long time with these congregations, about yes. eight years in, in doing ministry with them. And then all of a sudden, a decision gets changed. He goes to another church. I come in yeah. seemingly inexperienced, a lot younger, not married, no kids, um, just fresh out of seminary, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I am seeing how the church members are having a rough time with this. Mm -hmm. And not because they don't like me. They, mm -hmm. They've known me. I've been part of the church mm -hmm. for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. But this shift of roles from... Sure being uh this 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 kind of like uh, uh this pastor this experienced pastor now to me yeah it's hard it's hard for my community i it was hard for my community to fully grasp it the institution says i'm yeah. the pastor now right yeah. this guy is the person that is is continuing in this but in my eyes i i have to earn that to them because i'm fighting against <clears throat> Um, I'm fighting against uh, patriarchy, meaning mm -hmm. this paternal sense of what a pastor is. And so mm -hmm. instead of looking at the pastor as a father figure, mm -hmm. how do you do it with someone younger than you or mm -hmm. way younger than you? And mm -hmm. so I got to redefine it in a way that's much truthful to me because I'm not a father at all. Mm -hmm. And I can't be a father figure. And mm -hmm. specifically in the Latino community, mm -hmm. pastors are very highly fatherly, both from their Catholic ba um, backgrounds, but mm -hmm. also because of uh, the paternal uh, machista culture that there is, you know, the father is kind of like the, the head honcho in the mm. hacienda kind of thing. So, so coming in, you know, I, I wear this like cross to signify this idea of brother David instead mm. of pastor David, um, brother David, it's, it's kind of, I, I have to come down and be a servant. And I'm, I'm leaning a lot towards this idea of servant ministry because I cannot, you know, raise time and, I cannot like equate myself to the experience, the age, the wisdom of this pastor. I got to come in with what I have. Doesn't mean that I have less. It just means that I have different. So if I'm not married, that doesn't mean I don't know what it means to be in a relationship and love and commitment. Mm -hmm. Just because I don't have kids does not mean that I don't know uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, the, the troubles of, uh, of, of a family and the family mm -hmm. dynamics. Just because, uh, you know, and this pastor was full-time and now I'm part-time. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm bivocational. I have another mm -hmm. job. I don't have all the time in the world to answer mm -hmm. to your, you know, 10 o'clock at night calls, etc. You know, my phone's off and I'm asleep or something. So that dynamic is how do I serve <laughs> this church that completely 
lost their paternal figure, right? Mm -hmm. and, and how do I redeem it with who I am and where I'm from? And, and it's all through service, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I'm really like I'm using that to say <clears throat> I'm here to kind of decentralize the pastor figure. Mm -hmm. Um, because some of y'all put it in a pedestal, etc. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm bringing some of those things down so that we could build from up there. So mm -hmm. if it takes me, how long it takes me to get to a level where they naturally start seeing me, uh, as, uh, as the pastor that they've always wanted to see me, mm -hmm. it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of time and vulnerability for me to show them not only, uh, that I could do this kind of work, uh, but they need to do the work of trusting me that God is ultimately has called me into this service as a way of doing things. So ministry to me right now, it means to serve my people. It mm -hmm. is not for me to dispel wisdom, to top down kind of leadership. This is what we're doing kind of thing. It doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I need to earn that with my community. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the toughest things what it is. So, so for me right now, Ministry is me accepting all the food as much as possible from the ladies of the church, <laughs> not saying no, being available, uh, spending more time, bringing communion cups to the elderly that cannot make it, etc. Doing things um, that I, as a younger person, have uh, capacity when someone that had a full family couldn't have. And so I'm using some of these things to build that trust that that that, that is required for, to do ministry mm -hmm. um so that and, and i'm also learning i'm i'm inexperienced i don't know the methodist system as much as the other person did and therefore things are a little nuts you know mm -hmm. the other one was more of an administrator <laughs> i'm more of an organizer you know <laughs> you know someone kind of said okay this is how it's gonna be and i'm like what do you all think and they're just uh -huh. like that's your job you tell me what to do you know and i'm and i'm like no 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 i don't want to do that i want us all to talk about it and they're like you know, so so when we talk about ministry, it, it truly is, you know, how do you want your efforts in your calling to look like? And for right now, yeah. I want it to look like as a servant. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for that. Um, my, my, my take on that is ministry flows out of community. So to kind of bring it back out. You know, all right. One of one of the ways that I know how to serve my people best is to be around them, to hear okay. them and listen to them and see not just what the needs are. Right. But what the desires are, you mm -hmm. know, um, and and I and hopefully we help to discern, you know, what I'm not just to do everything what people ask and everything mm -hmm. people say, but you you get a lot more insights from that than any any, you know, books written by pastors and listening to podcasts, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's it, it's much more rewarding knowing that you're addressing immediate needs to people and. As in a, as a marginalized community, that is enough work or enough ministry. If I, if instead of doing a membership class where we're wow. just telling people, we are, this is what you need to learn to be part of a member of our church. We did intakes and we said, what, how is your family? What is going on? Kind of like we do wow. you know, in, in immigration legal services. You know, why did you come here? We ask right. all these questions. And from those questions, we say, okay, how you know, with the leadership team or even a pastoral, we, we have prayer requests there. We have um, ways that we could share resources. We, we see needs. We see opportunities. We see a list of people we could contact, etc. You know, we, we don't see uh, in marginalized communities, we are all we have. You know, mm -hmm. we, 
when it comes to losing a job or there's uh, issues at home, you know, it's the local church that is our rescue. We can't call the cops. We can't, we don't have access to therapists. We don't have lawyers that are going to fight for us. That's right. We got the pastor and right. the pastor is probably the, the, uh, the authority figure that is going to yes. help me and listen right. to me. Right. And so pastors need to look at their local church and the people as exactly where that's going to come from. But if I'm not around my people, and this is what I was actually getting, it was getting harder as the pandemic continued, as I kept being away from my people yeah. and, and physically for me, that just meant, means a lot. It, it, it took away opportunities for ministry, yeah. right? Yeah. Because a, a simple five minute drive talking yeah. to her gave me what I needed to serve her. Yeah. Instead of just like a text message or a phone right. call, right. which I which right. could also help out too. Right. But there's a there's something about the real in person yes. thing. This yes. is something different. Like right. I know if you and I would have done this at your coffee yeah. table or in right. person, it would right. have felt different. Right. But for for me, um, without community, there is no true ministry. And so, mm. I uh, when people want to claim something or want to. Uh, mm -hmm. This I, I I look back at who is your community, you know, mm -hmm. um, I when we talk uh, when I have conversations of people kind of having their hot takes on, let's say, like let, Latino theology, talking about the church mm -hmm. and I start looking at the people they follow and and mm -hmm. the friends in it. If your community doesn't look brown, then why are you talking for brown people? <laughs> it, right. You know, like I, I that really bothers me. And so therefore, mm -hmm. like you what you have to say doesn't have much substance mm. because they're all postulations. Mm. They're mm. not coming from, from the grassroots. Mm. And that's one of my challenges as an organizer mm. and as a pastor. May all my ministry be informed by the people I serve. Right. And may the people I serve yes. be closest to God. And where is God? Yeah. In the margins. And yes. that's where I said everything outside of that, it gets muddled. It's it's not honestly, sadly, it's not where God is, and it's not where I want to be. All right. Well, thanks so much for that. I think uh, you've got the last word on that, and I want to say thanks so much to Pastor Brother David Hymas.